What is up guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Stand Up Triple Podcast where we talk all things MLB, NFL, and NBA. Today's episode going to be very MLB and NFL oriented. Not really a lot obviously going on in the basketball world at this current moment. So we will be talking about those two. We will be talking about what happened this last week in the league. We'll be talking about what I think is going to happen this week in the league. We'll be talking about baseball. We're closing in on the postseason. Postseason just about two weeks away from starting. Uh, My Atlanta Braves clinched a postseason spot last night. We'll talk about that a little bit. But we will start off talking some NFL football for this week. And I'm going to start with a segment that I want to call Real or Not. I'm going to talk about one player or group or team in each division that uh, has been talked about a lot. And um, there have been a lot of reactionary takes to these players, groups, everything. And I will be giving my opinion on whether or not I think it's real and starting in the AFC East, we've got Tua Tagovailoa, and um, Tua looked good. He looked good. He had six touchdowns, obviously. I don't think you can really have a bad day throwing six touchdowns. I do believe he had two interceptions, but in the second half, he did have a good game, and I was actually I was watching a film breakdown of uh, what changed from week one to week two. In week one against the Patriots, pretty much, uh, with Mike McDaniel, the head coach, with his play designs, which a lot of that is from being in a Shanahan offense. He's learned a lot from Kyle Shanahan and kind of the way that he runs the show. And uh, in turn, Kyle Shanahan learned that from his dad, legendary coach Mike Shanahan. But regardless, Mike McDaniel was setting up a lot of motion, a lot of uh, window dressing, and a lot of play action. And it was kind of forcing the linebackers to stay close to the line of scrimmage and uh, – force of safeties to be honest and bail out quickly with the speed of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and Tua in week one he would have Waddle and Hill open over the middle he would have defenses butchering cover three looks or not fast enough Waddle would clear them Hill would clear them and Tua just wasn't taking those shots but what pretty much the message was in the film breakdown I watched was in the second half down against the Ravens Tua pretty much had to take those shots, and he did take those shots, and he took them successfully with those two wide receivers, and that receiving core, the speed is just so insane. Two, the probably two fastest wide receivers in the game, and to me, Tyreek Hill, I saw a tweet about it yesterday. He is just a franchise changer as a wide receiver. Um, can make any quarterback look good, and it was crazy. He's so fast. And I know, like, we talk about Tua's arm strength and talk about him not maybe having ideal arm strength, but, I mean, like, he's so fast that he was having to stop for these deep balls for him. He was so far ahead. Like, it's just crazy how good to me both those guys are, Tyreek and Waddle. To me, the jury is still out on Tua. And I think Tua has tools. I think he's kind of at a disadvantage ever since – the hip injury he suffered in his last year at Alabama before entering the draft, some of his arm strength that he had in the past has been depleted. But I do think Tua can become a solid quarterback. But selfishly, I kind of don't want him to have that great of a year. I kind of want the Dolphins to have the option to move on from him just because 
I would love to see Lamar Jackson in Miami so badly. That's his home. Obviously, he's from Florida. He, I believe he's going to leave the Ravens after this year. He won't. They missed the deadline for the contract. He said he won't play on the franchise tag, which obviously who I wouldn't either if I was in his position. But And no receivers want to come there to Baltimore. So I, I would love to see Lamar Jackson in Miami with that offense, the speed that they would have. I was just talking about this with someone yesterday. With Raheem Mostert is your running back. People forget about him. Incredibly fast. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, enough said. I already talked about them. And then Lamar Jackson in an offense drawn up by Mike McDaniel, which the early returns on that have been very good on his play design, his creativity. Yeah, I want to see Lamar in Miami, but when it comes to real or not, like I said with Tua, too soon to tell. In the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals, they've struggled. They've lost two games. And the quarterbacks in those games that they were facing were Mitch Trubisky and um, Cooper Rush. So maybe a bit of a hangover for the Bengals after obviously reaching the Super Bowl last year. They've given up a lot of sacks, but what a lot of people don't realize, yes, some of it does fall in the offensive line. But a lot of those, Joe is kind of getting himself into trouble. But yeah, the O-line has had definitely their part to play in it. Don't get me wrong in saying that. And it's a little bit disappointing because, you know, they brought in three guys. They brought in Ted Karras. They brought in Alex Kappa, a guard from Tampa. They brought in Lael Collins, who said, I keep seeing this post, he said he was going to be Joe Burrow's bodyguard. And uh, he hasn't been doing a very good job so far. Um, he, I mean, yeah, I don't have the exact number, but I think they lead the league in sacks. Obviously, Joe had a lot of turnovers week one. They uh, came down the field. They had a nice drive to tie the game. Burrow, especially really a couple of nice throws to T. Higgins. But, um, they, uh, yeah, they, they haven't looked good. And um, they were my pick for the two seed. And obviously that can still happen. We're two weeks in. But the Bengals are going to have to pick it up because the competition is going to be tougher along the way than Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush. I mean, you're going to face Lamar Jackson twice. I think at least – I think one of the games that they face, uh, Cleveland, they all face Deshaun Watson. Uh, you you got to take on the Bills at one point this season. I'm pretty sure the Chiefs. Like it's it's only gets more difficult from here on out. So they got to figure some things out. And the thing is, their defense really hasn't been playing all that bad. Um, so Burrow and the offense, they got to pick it up. I think they'll be fine. I'm not sure they're a Super Bowl level team this year just off of what I've seen through two weeks. But, again, it's two weeks. I think they'll turn around and still end up being a pretty good team. So I'm going to say that's not real. The Colt struggles in the AFC South. They've been outscored on average 22-10 to 10 through two games, got blown out of the water by the Jaguars on Sunday. And it's cause for concern. A lot of people are calling for uh, Frank Reich's head, not to mention they got shut out. And uh, the week before that, tied with the Texans, who looked abysmal, especially on the offensive end, or mainly on the offensive end, this past Sunday against Denver. But yeah, they're outscored 22-10 to 10 on average through two games, negative four in the turnover department, and uh, the beginning of the Matt Ryan era has not been kind to the Colts. I'm also going to say that this one's not real, because that division is so terrible, they'll be able to pick themselves up. 
I mean, they'll get to play the Jaguars and Texans each once again. They'll get to play the Titans twice, who we all saw the Titans get beat down on Monday Night Football. And it was the Bills, but, I mean, the Titans just look helpless. Derrick Henry, 13 carries for 25 yards, I believe it was, not looking like his normal self. Ryan Tannehill, who I've always thought was extremely average, played a really poor game. Uh, the Titans are just really bad. And so, yeah, I think the Colts will get this turned around. I think they'll still win the AFC South, be a three or four seed in the AFC. And uh, I don't think there's much to worry about. Anytime you get a new quarterback, especially in a new conference, we saw it a few years back with Tom Brady uh, when he went to Tampa. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl that year. I'm not saying the Colts are going to do that, but they won the Super Bowl that year. And people forget they were 7-5 and five at one point in the year. And uh, things weren't looking good for them. I believe they might have been like 6-5 and five at one point in that season, and then they just rallied off, didn't lose another game, won like nine in a row, won the Super Bowl. So sometimes it takes time with a new quarterback on a new team and a new conference, and I think that may be the case with Matt Ryan and the Colts. So I'm going to say that those are not real. Broncos on offense in the AFC West, that is my concern so far. Obviously, sort of the same story as the Colts. You got new quarterback in a new conference. And, um, you know, I'm not sure yet if this is real or not, but they're averaging they're averaging 16 points per game, and they've played two of the projected maybe three worst teams in the league, maybe the two worst projected teams in the league in Seattle and Houston. And that's really, that's really bad. And it's very similar to the Colts or because the Colts, they played the Texans, and then they played Jacksonville. So they're in a similar boat to the Colts, but uh, they're scoring a little bit more, 16 points per game. The Colts have 10 per game. But um, the Broncos, man, I just – A, at Nathaniel Hackett has not looked very good as their head coach through two games. And, again, it's two games. If we had written off Bill Belichick after two games, and I mean, come on. like That guy ended up being one of the greatest coaches of all time and was not very good pre-New England as a head coach. So I'm not sure about him. With the weapons, Cortland Sutton, uh, he's I think he's a very good wide receiver one. Judy has been pretty solid, if I'm correct here. But uh, the running backs, they fumbled, especially in week one. Lots of fumbles, and uh, they got to get that under control. And I still think that Tim Patrick at wide receiver is a bigger loss than anybody really talked about in the preseason for Denver, but real or not, mm, I'm going to say I'm not sure, but I think it's more real than Indianapolis just because I like Indianapolis's supporting cast better on both sides of the ball, especially I like Indianapolis's defense way more than I like the Broncos' defense. And uh, I know I just said I'm talking about the offense here, but on a whole scale for the team, I like the Colts roster better than the Broncos, and I like their strength of schedule a lot more. Because the Broncos, six of their remaining, what, 15 games, so two-fifths, 40% of their remaining games are against the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Raiders. And that is not an envious position to be in. And uh, for that, I'm going to say... Not sure if it's real, but more real than Indianapolis. Let's get to the NFC. Jalen Hurts in the NFC East so far through two games, 723 total yards and uh, 
2-0 start, obviously, for the Eagles. 31 points per game. Just laid a beatdown on the Vikings. Uh, the final score might not say it was a huge beatdown, but that was a beatdown on both sides of the ball. He had Darius Slay on the defense, picking off Kirk Cousins twice, locking down Justin Jefferson, who I think is a top three wide receiver in the NFL. And, uh, yeah, Hurts looked really good. Hurts looks like he has improved as a passer. It looked like he worked a lot on his passing this offseason. We all knew the running ability was there since his days in college. But the question was, is he going to be able to throw the ball? And, I mean, he has now he has A.J. Brown, which I think is so huge for that offense. He's got A.J. Brown with Devontae Smith, who is a great wide receiver. And I think you're really cooking with something here because you got a pretty good O-line now. You, you still got Miles Sanders in the backfield, and then on defense, you're just, you've got James Bradbury and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson added to your secondary in the offseason. And uh, that was a secondary that, like I said, already had Darius Slay. And uh, they've got really good, really good front seven. I really like the Eagles team. They've looked really good. I'm going to say that Jalen Hurts is for real. And I had my doubts coming into the season. I wasn't sure how good Hurts was, but I did have them, I believe, maybe 12-5, and 11-6 type area. I definitely had them in the playoffs, but I had them losing the division to Dallas. And now I don't know about that. Uh, whether Even if Dak was healthy, I'm not sure if I would know about that. But they've got Cooper Rush at quarterback for Dallas. And uh, yeah, the Eagles are rolling. So I'm going to say this is very, very real. In the NFC North, the Detroit Lions offense is averaging 35.5 per game, folks. Folks, come on. It's not real. The Lions may have a solid offense, but the Lions don't have a 35 points per game offense. Come on. I do love Amon Ross St. Brown. I love Amon Ross St. Brown. He's one of my favorite young players, young wide receivers in the league. DeAndre Swift is great. They've got a pretty good O-line. Frank Ragnow. Really, really good center, and I love what they're building. They've got Hutchinson, they've got Jamison Williams, they've got all these young guys they're building around. And honestly, I think what they're missing, I love Dan Campbell, by the way, great coach, love him. Uh, what they're missing is just somebody that's not Jared Goff. And Jared Goff, obviously, they he's performed like they've got 35 points per game, but let's be real here, guys, you're not winning anything of significance with Jared Goff unless you have Sean McVay. Aaron Donald, prime Todd Gurley, which was the case when he did make the Super Bowl. And uh, Jared Goff might be the nicest guy in the world. He does seem like a pretty cool guy, but uh, I think they're missing the quarterback there. And, um, yeah, I it might be it might be that you need to get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. I mean, they almost – I know they won, but they almost let the commanders come back, so they might need some help on the defensive end. But – 35-point-per-game Lions offense, definitely not real. May have a solid unit, but I'm going to wager that they don't even finish in the top seven or eight scoring offenses at the end of the season once they start playing a little bit better of competition. They did play the Eagles in week one, came from behind, ended up scoring 35 points, still lost the game, but scored 35, and then obviously had an explosion uh, against the Commanders this past week, but... Yeah, that's not real. Kyle Pitt struggles and Drake London's success. It's kind of a two-fold real or not here. Drake London threw two games, the rookie, 13 catches, 160 yards, and a touchdown, and looked really good. Eight catches and a touchdown on Sunday against the defending champion Los Angeles Rams. And I've been saying 
to buy stock on Drake London. A lot of people didn't like the pick for the Falcons, but Drake London to me is Mike Evans' build with Cooper Cup's like skills. And obviously, I don't mean he's on the same level as Cooper Cup. He's played two games in the league, but I just mean his skill set and kind of what he's good at sort of is translatable to what Cooper Cup is good at, but he's doing it in the big frame of Mike Evans. The guy is a freak athlete, and I think what he is doing is very real. On the flip side of that, Kyle Pitts has kind of taken a hit, and uh, Coach Arthur Smith kind of came under fire on uh, Sunday after the loss because Kyle Pitts, through two games, only has four catches for 38 yards. And this is a guy that a lot of people expected to take another step and, um, you know, really kind of elevate this year after a great rookie campaign where he really didn't have a lot of guys to take focus off of him. Now you've got London out there. You've got Cordero Patterson. They went and got Brian Edwards this offseason. Take a little bit of heat off of Pitts. And, um, but they just haven't been getting him the ball. He hasn't been putting up the stats. And Arthur Smith said, uh, this isn't fantasy football, but I do think Arthur Smith needs to draw up some more for Kyle Pitts. He's just too much of a freak. It's not – Kyle Pitts didn't just lose his skills this offseason, okay, guys? He's still an athletic freak. He's still a complete mismatch. And, yeah, DCs may have figured out a little bit of a better way to go about, you know, getting on him. But, I mean, it's Kyle Pitts, guys. This guy has the potential, in my opinion, to become one of the greatest tight ends of all time. And I wouldn't give up on him because of two – rough game stat wise I haven't even I haven't watched the film so I can't tell you if he really looked bad or not but I know who Kyle Pitts is and I have seen him on film before so no absolutely not real on the Kyle Pitts front Rams defensive struggles uh, so far allowing 29 points per game on the defensive side of things and you know the first game they got embarrassed by the Bills gave up a lot of big plays to the Bills but A that's the Bills B it's week one. I mean, you can't you can't really draw a ton from that. But then this past week, they get up big. I think they might have actually been up 28-3, which is ironic, on the Falcons. And uh, they were able to, you know, secure the victory. And a lot of that was due to a big defensive play. The Falcons were driving on the field. And Ramsey, uh, Jalen Ramsey, got an interception. But, I mean... Third quarter, they gave up a touchdown to Drake London. Fourth quarter, they gave up a touchdown to Alameda Zacchaeus. And then a blocked punt return touchdown. So that's not as much on the defense. Uh, but, I mean, the Rams so far, yeah, 29 points allowed per game. And the Falcons are a bottom-tier team, like I said. So I, I'm i going to say not real because, yeah, that's not a great start, but they've just got too many playmakers out there to not still be a strong defense. I'm not saying they're top five. I mean, even when they won the Super Bowl last year, I'm pretty sure they weren't a top five, maybe even top ten defense scoring-wise. But, I mean, you, you have an Aaron Donald. You have a Jalen Ramsey. You will be okay. I do think that Von Miller and losing him was a really big loss, and I think Von Miller is still incredible. And anybody that wrote him off because of one or two injury plagued years is silly but I think Von Miller is a big loss but no I don't think this is real I think the Rams are still solid and I think they'll still be vying obviously for that NFC West crown so that's it for the real or not segment let's get into the ball games going on this weekend 
Starting tomorrow night, we've got Steelers and Browns on Thursday night football. I'm going to take the Browns. I mean, the Steelers are kind of lacking an identity on offense. You see, uh, there's been, it kind of seems like the players on the offense are frustrated. Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, both in their postgame interviews, just seem kind of frustrated. George Pickens was frustrated. He only has six targets through two weeks, the rookie out of Georgia. And he said he feels like he's been open 90% of the time. And uh, the Steelers' offensive coordinator uh, declined to comment on that. So I really, and Mitch Trubisky, I mean, he's not it. Let's just be, let's just be point blank about it, folks. Mitch Trubisky is not it. And uh, the Browns, while it is Jacoby Brissett, who is my dog, by the way, but it is Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. But you still got playmakers out there, man. I mean, you got a Nick Chubb. You got Kareem Hunt and none of the defensive end. You got Miles Garrett, who's going to be in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. You've got Denzel Ward, who just became one of the highest-paid DBs of all time. Uh, they're they're going to be fine. And I really like Stefanski as a coach. I've got the Browns in this one tomorrow night over the Steelers. Ravens and Patriots, last time these two teams played was in 2020. The Patriots won in a really rainy game with Cam Newton in Foxborough. That's not going to happen this time. The Ravens are going to beat the Patriots, and I'm not sure how close it's going to be. I don't know if the Patriots' run defense can really contain the Ravens' attack, and if Rashad Bateman plays like he did last week, I don't know if the Patriots have a DB that can really cover that sort of passing attack. So I'm going to go with the Ravens in this one. Texans and Bears. Neither teams look very good. Both of them look very bad, especially on the offensive end on Sunday. But I'm going to go with the Bears. I think they've looked a little bit better than Houston. I think Justin Fields is better than Davis Mills. And, uh, yeah, not much to say here. Two pretty bad teams. But I'm going to go with Chicago. Raiders and Titans. Raiders should probably be 1-1, one one, but they're sitting at 0-2 after an overtime loss uh, on a Fumble, a scoop and score by Hunter Renfro, or the fumble is by Hunter Renfro, his second of the drive, but Byron Murphy scooped and scored into the end zone to give Arizona the win. Raiders fell to 0-2. Once again, the Titans got beat down on Monday Night Football, and I don't think they're going to get beat down that way this Sunday, but I do think the Raiders are going to come out with their first win. I've got the Raiders winning 10 or 11 games this year, so that is where it begins is this Sunday against the Tennessee Titans, and the Titans are going to drop to 0 and three Chiefs and Colts two weeks ago I would have been a lot more excited for this matchup and it still most definitely can be a very good game but I'm going to go with the Chiefs in this one obviously we talked about the Colts they've had their offensive struggles Frank Reich and his offense kind of still need to click and uh the Chiefs they they were making plays on Thursday night obviously they looked great against Arizona week one and uh they're making plays on Thursday night against the Chargers I do think they got outplayed but they did make some timely plays. I mean, the pick six by Jalen Watson, who was working at a Wendy's in college. That's a great story. He just actually won AFC Defensive Player of the Week. But plays like that. But if Mahomes does put the ball in harm's way like he did against the Chargers, I don't think you can bank on the referees calling back two or three interceptions again. So if Mahomes doesn't turn the ball over like that, if he plays a clean game, which I think he should, then I got the Chiefs. In this one, Bills and Dolphins. This is a game that two weeks ago I wouldn't have told you would be a good game, but this division rivalry game, I think it could be a tight one if Tua plays like he did last week, and if Waddle and Hill are Waddle and Hill like out there, 
This could be a good game. I'm going to go with the Bills because the Bills just look like an absolute juggernaut right now. And as someone that's going for Tampa this season, uh, full disclosure, by the way, for those of you that don't know, my fanhood, I claim the Patriots as my team, the Pats are my team, and uh, but Tom Brady was my guy here for however long. I'm, I'm 20, almost 21 years old. I started watching the Patriots and Tom Brady when I was eight. So, I mean, it's 13 years of watching the guy, and I feel like it might be his last year. So this year I got to ride out with Tampa, you know, and uh, just kind of enjoy what I think might be the last ride for Tom. But uh, as a, I guess we'll call me a um, temporary Bucks fan with Tom there, that is a team that very much scares me. That's a team that I see the Bucks playing in the Super Bowl and that's who I picked in the preseason. That's who I have no reason to change it right now. But the Bills scare me, and they will continue to scare me after they get to three and zero against Miami on Sunday. Lions and Vikings once again. Lions have been playing very well on offense. Vikings though coming off of a disappointing loss, I think they're going to be looking to bounce back in a divisional game. I've got the Vikings in this one, and I've got Justin Jefferson having a big game. Maybe Dalvin Cook as well. And I think Kirk is going to bounce back. I don't think the Lions are going to score 35 or anything like that on this Vikings defense. I'm going to say Vikings maybe 31 to 20 or something along those lines. Bengals and Jets. Bengals trying to avoid an 0-3 start. Jets coming off an exciting, thrilling win against the Browns. Uh, I think the Bengals are better than the Browns. I think the Bengals are going to get their first win in this game. Uh... If the Jets can get home with pressure, that can really make it interesting. Again, this O-line has obviously had its struggles. The Bengals kind of haven't gotten in sync up front. Obviously, they didn't last year. But, um, yeah, I've got the Bengals in this one moving up to 1-2. and two, And I've got Joe Burrow playing a pretty good game out there. Um, Eagles and Commanders. I've got the Eagles. They keep rolling. The Commanders are terrible, guys. Uh, I know they beat the Jags. I know they almost came back in the Lions, but, I mean, you just heard the teams I said. The Commanders are terrible. Carson Wentz is terrible. I don't care how many yards he has. His old team is going to smack him up this Sunday. We've got the Eagles moving to 3-0. Saints and Panthers, another divisional game. I've got the Saints coming off that tough loss to the Bucks. which, by the way, thank God the Bucks finally figured out how to win a regular season game against the Saints. Regardless, I've got the Saints bouncing back. Panthers have looked really bad. Uh, they're 0-2. They're going to be 0-3. Saints are going to move to 2-1. And, and I actually think that Chris Olave is going to have a nice game in this one. Jaguars and Chargers. Chargers. Chargers for sure. Um, I mean, Chargers look great for most of the Thursday night game. Mike Williams and Herbert had a really good connection going. Not sure if Keenan Allen's supposed to play or not, but he didn't play last Thursday. And if he does, even more so. I've got the Chargers. But, yeah. Chargers in that one. Rams and Cardinals. I've got the Rams, two one and one teams from the NFC West. I'm actually not sure where this game is. I believe it's in LA, but it could be in Arizona as well. Both teams have played both of their first two games at home, so whoever it is will have three straight home games to start the season. I've got the Rams in this one. Uh, the Cardinals did impress me the way they crawled back. Kyler Murray really impressed me. In the second half of the ball game, so just some crazy scrambling, electric player, incredible speed. Kyler Murray's great. 
but I don't think it's going to be enough to beat the Rams this Sunday. I've got Los Angeles moving to 2-1. and one. Falcons and Seahawks, two of the worst teams in the league, but I've got the Falcons. Falcons have played two tight games against two teams that I believe are playoff-level teams in the Saints and the Rams, so the Falcons might not be as bad as we think. I think, uh, especially after Sunday showing by Geno Smith against the Niners, I think the Seahawks are definitely what we think they are, and uh, for that, I've got the Falcons over them. Packers and Buccaneers in America's Game of the Week rematch of the 2020 NFC Championship game. I've got the Bucks here. Aaron Rodgers, historically, has not played well against Tampa. Didn't play well in Tampa last time through two picks, including a pick six last time he played in Tampa Bay. Uh, he doesn't really have any weapons. Mike Evans is suspended for this game, and Chris Godwin may still be out. But Julio Jones should be good to go. The Bucks just signed Cole Beasley. We'll see how many reps he gets. They've got Russell Gage. They've got Leonard Fournette. And their defense is allowing 6.5 points per game right now. So I've got the Bucks at home moving on to 3-0. Packers dropping to a 1-2 and start with Rodgers. And we'll see if he starts crying more about his wide receivers and uh, how they're the ones screwing everything up, how he kind of has been doing in camp and then now so far into the regular season. 49ers and Broncos Sunday night football game. I've got the Niners in this one. Once again, we talked about the Broncos' offensive struggles, and they're not facing they're facing the best defensive unit they've faced through three games this Sunday, a defense of Fred Warner with Nick Bosa, with Jimmy Ward. I, it's going to be too much for the Broncos, I think. Russ is going to fall to 1-2. and two. Niners, with Jimmy G back in the saddle, going to move to 2-1 and one with their second consecutive victory. And I think that the 49ers offense is going to have some fun Sunday night. Cowboys and Giants. I've actually got the Cowboys in this one. The Giants are favored, I'm pretty sure. Obviously, some of that has to do with Dak Prescott being out, but... Um, no, I've got the boys in this one. Cooper Rush, two starts, two victories. Why not make it three, especially against a team that I think is inferior all the way around roster-wise? If the Cowboys can find a way to contain Saquon Barkley, which the Panthers did this past Sunday, I've got the Cowboys winning this one. I do believe this game is in New York. It's Monday Night Football, by the way, if I didn't say that. Monday Night Football, Cowboys-Giants. I've got the Cowboys, I believe, on the road winning the ball game. So that's it for the NFL picks for this week and for those of you that only care about the football part that is uh that's your cue to go but uh just going to touch on some baseball really quickly the NL East race is really really heating up and as a Braves fan as anybody that knows me that listens to this knows like diehard Braves fan um I this is super intense super anxiety causing this division race I mean we were back 10 and a half in May and then all of a sudden, the last month or two, it's been a dog fight. I thought all hope was lost when the Braves went up to New York for a five-game set in uh, early August and lost four out of five. I thought all hope was lost, but then the Braves went on a run. A few weeks later in Atlanta, they took two out of three from the Mets. And now, after taking the lead last week, losing it again, the Braves are a game behind the Mets at uh, 93 and... 57, I believe. Let me double check. 93 and 93 and 55. My apologies. Um, Braves started the season 23 and 27. Since then, 70 and 28. That's 114 win pace 
over a 162-game season. And the two teams face each other in Atlanta next weekend. Crucial, crucial three-game set. And I'm going to say whoever wins that series is going to win the division. And I'm really hoping it's the Braves. that They should have Max Reed going. They should have Spencer Strider going. And, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see how the division race shakes up. Both teams have clinched a playoff spot already. The Mets clinched one two nights ago. The Braves clinched one last night. And uh, not to, not to you know, poke at anybody here, but the Mets, they celebrated their postseason birth. They had champagne, drinks, everything. They were celebrating like they had won the World Series. And um, for the team that has actually won the World Series, the Braves, uh, there was no celebration. There was no champagne. Uh, I mean, fifth year in a row in the postseason. This is nothing new for us. And, uh, yeah, so a little bit, little bit corny on the Mets. But, I mean, that's what we've kind of come to expect from those guys. Uh, Aaron Judge last night, home run number 60, time Babe Ruth for second most all-time in a season in American League history. He's one away from tying Roger Maris with uh, 14 games to go, uh, 13, 14 games to go. And when he hits that 60-second, man, I'm just looking I'm looking forward to it because that's going to be a historic moment. I know Barry Bonds is the real record, the MLB record, 73. You can say what you want about the steroids, whatever, whatever. I know that's the real record. But it's, it's something special about uh, Roger Maris's. AL record has stood for so long, 61 home runs in a season, and Aaron Judge is uh, about to beat it, and he might finish with 65. Uh, a bomb last night, the radio call, or not the radio call, the TV call by Michael K of the Yankees was amazing. Move over, babe, you've got company. Uh, just tying, tying a Yankees legend while chasing another Yankee legend is just incredible stuff for Aaron Judge and what might be. His last year in the Bronx, love that for him. Love how the guys that caught the ball, they were a bunch of college kids, if you didn't see. A bunch of college kids that didn't ask for anything in return. They still did get some stuff in return from Aaron Judge, but they said they wanted him to have it. He's done so much for the organization, and that's just, you'd love to see that. But, yeah, it's just really surreal. Aaron Judge has been one of my favorite players since he came into the league. He's definitely my favorite non-Atlanta Brave. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens when he does break that record Mariners closing in on their first playoff berth since 2001 uh, I believe they sit at hold on let me find this really quickly their record currently is 81 and 66 and in terms of the wild card race they have the third spot right now they're five games above the Baltimore Orioles closing in they're half a game behind Tampa Bay for the second wild card spot and two and a half games behind Toronto for the first one. So obviously that race, the AL wild card chase heating up. You've still got the White Sox with an outside shot, five and a half behind Seattle. But yeah, I mean, Seattle it might be America's team at this point. If you're a baseball fan, you, you know it's been 20 years since, 21 years since they made the postseason. And Julio Rodriguez was less than a year old. Last time they made it with Ichiro, with that crazy season that they had in 2001 where they, I believe, set the record. I believe that was the year they set the record for wins in a season, but they obviously didn't win the World Series. And um, they, yeah, it'll just be great to see Seattle in the playoffs. They fell just short last year. It was really heartbreaking stuff. But um, ex 
exciting always to see some new faces in the playoffs. Uh, we'll see. Ugh, we'll see the Phillies in the playoffs this year. Congratulations to the Phillies on uh, possibly making the postseason for the first time since 2011, and a year in which, by the way, you lost in the first round to uh, all the Philly fans that want to, you know, talk crazy to the Braves like they're not reigning world champions, reigning four-time, maybe soon to be five-time. NLEs champions, but regardless, always great to see new teams in the postseason. But for baseball, that's really that's about all I got, which in turn is going to be about it for today's episode of Stand Up Triple. Hope you guys enjoy. We'll be back again next week talking about what happened in the NFL, be talking about baseball, and in two weeks we should it'll be time for the MLB playoff preview. So Peace and blessings to everyone that is listening to this. I hope this finds you safely, and I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you have a great rest of your day, rest of your week. This is Brady Penn signing off for Stand Up Triple.